Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. Hey, do you ever sometimes just feel kind of lazy and uninspired? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been feeling that way recently. I'm wondering if you are a data scientist or you're doing ML or AI or any of that stuff, and you come into work feeling that way, Mm -hmm. is there anything for you or are you just kind of screwed? Oh, like, is there some way you could have a like a computer program that writes your computer programs for you, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, kind of meta. But kind of for machine learning. Yeah. I think what you might be talking about is something like AutoML. Cool, all right, let's talk about that. You are listening to Linear Digressions. I think saying a computer program that writes your computer program is both true and a little bit overselling it. AutoML, yeah. yeah. Uh, AutoML is kind of the idea that there's a lot of different machine learning algorithms that you might want to try and a lot of different ways of running them. And that doing all of that experimentation by hand is probably not the best use of a human's time and attention. So maybe we can use the computer to help us out with that a little bit. Yeah, so this is actually not a completely new idea. I used to do motion graphics in a previous life, and I remember when Adobe released this software called Brainstorm, and the idea was you would hit this button, and it would take your project, and it would just kind of tweak different parameters and different filters uh, in all of these different ways, but it would do it like from the from the beginning to a tweaked state multiple times, like maybe nine times or 16 times, and it would take the results of each of those different, uh, I guess, randomization points and it would put them in this grid. And then you could look at that, and the idea was it would kind of help you see the results of uh, different actions or different combinations of things that you might not necessarily think of on your own. And then from those results, you could choose one and then move forward from there. Interesting. Yeah, I guess AutoML is, is kind of a similar idea, although sometimes it's even a little bit more automated than you just said. But the general idea is... First of all, I should acknowledge this was a listener suggestion. So Randy Olson, thanks a lot. Good idea. But anyway, uh, AutoML is a, a, there's a number of different names for it. Uh, AutoML is the one that we'll use for this, for this episode. But it's the idea of when you're going through the machine learning part of a data science workflow, assuming that it has a machine learning part, uh, that machine learning, as it turns out, there's lots of different ways that you can do it. So there's different algorithms you can try. There's different ways that you can represent the features going into the algorithms. And the algorithms themselves have hyperparameters, which are different settings of the algorithms. And usually it's hard to know up front a priori what's the best combination of all of those different options that you have. And But at the same time, those choices that you make can have a huge impact on the quality of the machine learning model that you can build. So you actually do want to spend some time trying to find the best one, because that can be a pretty good investment of your time. But you don't want to sit there trying out all of the different combinations. Because let's say that there's three different ways that you could represent your features going into the algorithm. Let's say there's five different algorithms that you want to try. And for each algorithm, there's five different hyperparameter settings that you might want to use. And this would be a very restrained uh, way to set your your search space. Like this is is not out of 
this is not a insanely complex thing would be like those kinds mm, of numbers that yeah. would be actually like a pretty simple thing to do but that's already 75 no, different models fun. that you would have to build and so sitting there and rerunning the same code 75 times not my idea of a good time so the whole idea is that maybe you can just write a program to scan through it which is on its face like might seem fairly simple or fairly obvious but i think it's kind of funny because in preparing for this, I was I was reading uh, an ep- a uh, blog post on Katie Nuggets. I'll post it on LinearDigressions.com. But it, it has in it a quote from uh, one of the Scikit-Learn developers who's saying that computer programming, if you think about it, is all about automation, like automating a a process or or uh, a way of finding trends in data. And machine learning, in particular, is all about automating automation because it's code that sort of writes code where the code itself is something like build a model and then it writes code that's the actual model uh but now we're going even one layer more meta which is write code that automates the process of automating automation this actually feels really familiar to me because i am um like in working at facebook right i work on personalized video and so i work on the system that makes videos but now I'm working on a system that works on the system that makes <laughs> videos. And, you know, like the, the further up that kind of the, 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 I don't know what you want to call it, this meta stack, this uh, abstraction stack you go, the harder it becomes to describe what you're doing and the harder it becomes to like onboard someone onto what you're doing as well. Uh, but at the same time, there's a lot of power in it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think hyperparameter searches are not the place where you start with machine learning. You start with the basics, the idea that you want to find a pattern in the data. But yeah, I mean, one of the things, whenever you learn about a new machine learning algorithm, usually one of the first things that you learn is what are the most important hyperparameters, which are settings in the algorithm and how do they affect the way that the algorithm works. One thing I want to point out, though, is that we're talking about this all within the context of searching over machine learning algorithms. And that's pretty different from automating data science itself. Mm. So wait, what do you mean by that? Like how is, what are the differences there? Yeah. So I think of data science as being a bigger and more general problem than machine learning. Machine learning is sort of a tool that you would use within data science to solve a problem. Mm. So I think of machine learning as just the computer programs and algorithms that are doing statistical pattern recognition on data sets that have certain structure to them. But data science itself usually starts with stuff like problem definition and data cleaning and getting the data into the right format so that you can feed them into the machine learning algorithms. Then Mm. there's the machine learning algorithms that are trying to find the best fits to the patterns in that data. And then at the end, those algorithms will give you a a set of proposed answers and you have to decide if that's sort of acceptable or not, if that's good enough or not. And all of that other stuff besides the machine learning, it's kind of interesting because it's really easy to get into data science and machine learning is one of the first things that sometimes you learn depending on your entry point. And so it's really easy to go very deep down a rabbit hole of machine learning, but all the rest of that stuff that makes it data science is, in my opinion, sometimes harder 
And it's harder mm-hmm. because it's more ambiguous. It's a lot harder to say what is a good problem definition or what is clean data than it is to say, did I get this answer right or wrong? Interesting. Yeah, I, I guess we spend so much time talking about that central part but we don't and we don't spend as much time typically at least at least from my perspective as an outsider to this industry i don't hear as much about the process that happens before the algorithm or the thing that you do with the output of the algorithm i just hear about the new algorithms and and how with these algorithms you can solve these problems and you can you can do a better job of predicting this or that or or whatever yeah and i think that's one of the things that separates uh, the good data scientists from the great data scientists is I think that the great data scientists are very focused in sort of all that other contextual stuff. And they walk around thinking about problems and the way that decisions can be made better and more effectively by inserting data and and machine learning into the process by which decisions are already being made, rather than starting with, hey, this is a cool algorithm, and let's see if I can back out some kind of data set that I can apply this to, and then from that, back out some kind of problem that I can solve. Oh, that usually doesn't get you to stuff that's quite as interesting. It's the difference between doing a good job planning a deck, and then buying everything you need and using the correct tools for the job versus I just got all this lumber and I have this really cool tool that I'm excited about using. So let me find a project for it. Yeah. And sometimes you get interesting stuff that way, but yeah, the thing about it is that very often when you're learning machine learning, uh, because all of that other stuff is really hard and it's easy to spend 80% of your time there, uh, when you're learning machine learning algorithms, usually they start with sort of all of that wrapped up kind of nicely. And they say, here is a data set and your problem is to solve image recognition. Use these different algorithms to to understand how to do that. And that's fine. I mean, it, it gets your hands dirty with the algorithms themselves. But I think if that's the only way that you think about data science, then it can be, you know, that can be a little bit of a challenge once you get out there and you're trying to make an impact is that the data sets never come, the questions never come that neatly wrapped up. And moreover, this is an episode about AutoML and the whole idea that we can write code that scans over sort of all the different things that we want to try, and we can do that in the course of our work, but that's nowhere near automating the job of a data scientist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so I guess a few thoughts on how you can do AutoML to be a little more concrete about it. Yeah. So the most common, maybe, and the most naive thing is what's usually called grid search, which is you just multiply out all the different combinations of things that you want to try. And, and then, then you, you try each one of them. Move through them one at a time, yeah. <laughs> and you have some kind of quality metric for the model that you build, and that's going to, whichever model gives you the best quality metric, that's your winner. And you run that over the three-day weekend. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the price you pay is that sometimes it's really slow because it has to search the entire space very exhaustively. Whereas uh, some of the other algorithms that are uh, starting to be a little bit more prominent, things like Hyperband or Scikit-Optimize, they have other ways of searching the space. So if there seems to be some combination of parameters that gives you a really poor model, then it might undersample 
in that area. And then if there's a, a place where there seem to be some pretty high quality models, maybe it's going to oversample in that area and try to spend a little bit more attention, pay a little bit more attention to where the, you know, the neighbor, the neighborhood is that the, that the winners mm-hmm. seem to be coming from. Mm-hmm. I see. And so the whole idea with that is that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the, the very thorough grid search decreases the the probability if you chew through that entire parameter grid it decreases the probability that you're going to miss something just by you know skipping over it but the price that you pay is that yeah it's this very laborious process whereas some of the other the more optimized ones they can get you to an answer that's pretty good a lot faster and then the thing that's nice is that uh and it can you can generalize this out to not just the hyperparameter searches, but also what are the algorithms that you search over and what are the different pre-processing techniques that you do before those algorithms. So it can get pretty complex. And there's actually uh, packages now that wrap around other packages like scikit-learn, which has a wrapper called, I think, auto-sklearn as an example. Scikit-optimize, I think, also does something similar where you can just say, hey, give me something that's already set up to have all these like sort of common degrees of freedom, all these different flexibility points, and then scan through all of the reasonable options. So you don't even have to tell it necessarily what all to try. It already has some of those put in as defaults and you say, just go find me the best one. That's really great. That sounds like a really great way to just bootstrap a problem uh, on a problem, especially if you don't have anything specific in mind that you want to do and you just want to explore a, a space like, that seems like a quick path to somewhat decent results. Yeah. I mean, you can get started real quick and these algorithms, they aren't too shabby. It's like they'll win Kaggle competitions sometimes, which is pretty cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So that's kind of all I wanted to say about auto ML. So if you're a data scientist, who's uh, tuning machine learning models a lot, number one, good for you because it's really important to try out all those different combinations. It makes a huge, it, it can make a huge difference in the quality of the model that you're able to build. But if you're building them all by hand, I'd like to suggest to you to stop <laughs> doing that uh, and let the computer do the heavy lifting for you. Um, ideally with one of these packages that's a little bit smarter than just the grid search so you can get those answers, but faster. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.